0: I think I paid 265 for it at the time and initially it rented for 2000.
1: Flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping. uh, Because they have all the money available right now. Um, Once you get approved for your, your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower... Um, You're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's a success. Uh, They've got something... Really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They got answers too. All the answers to those those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, And if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hello, Best Ever listeners. How you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and if you've heard this show before, you might realize that my voice sounds different, and that's because I've got a little bit of a cold, but I am armed with uh, some Kleenex, and let's see, a Halls menthol cough drop, and some uh, sugar-free, and some water, so we're going to power through this, and... Uh, my mind's still working. My voice just isn't quite up to par, but maybe it sounds better. I don't know. But with this show, as as you know, if you're a long-time listener, this is all about getting the best real estate investing advice ever, cutting out all the fluff, and getting straight to the insights that move your real estate investing business forward. With us today, we've got an accomplished investor, Russell Brazil. How you doing, Russell? I'm great, Joe. Thanks. Glad to have you on the show. And Russell is a realtor, With Long and Foster, which is based in Maryland, Uh, they have offices in Virginia and uh, D.C. He is a buy-and-hold investor specializing in condos, but then also owns single-family homes, multifamily homes, and townhomes. He occasionally flips homes as well, and he is based in Rockville, Maryland, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C., and he's a third-generation motorcycle rider. So,
0: Russell, do you have the motorcycle jackets, too? I've got all the gear, all the kind of ridiculous leather-looking stuff <laughs> that uh, people are should not be wearing. <laughs> oh, but it looks so cool. So perhaps if
1: you go, where's a website that people can check out more of your stuff?
0: You can find me at rufflebrazil.lnf.com. I'll probably have a new website soon, but that's the website I'm using right now.
1: All right. Well, maybe you can put up a motorcycle picture for us, too, just just because we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, With that being said, Russell, you want to give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on?
0: Sure. I'm a residential uh, realtor in Rockville, Maryland. I'm also a buy-and-hold investor. I was uh, in the occasional flipper. Um, I first became licensed as a realtor in 2003 and then purchased my uh, first investment property for myself until 2010. I just saw that the market crashing was you know just too good to be true, um, just offered so many opportunities. So you
1: saw that the market was crashing, and you saw a lot of opportunities. I find it interesting that you're a buy and hold an investor who specializes in condos versus single-family
0: homes and multifamily and townhomes. Why condos? Condos offer, me personally at least, um, easy management. Um, they do come with risks. You know, you have the risk of the special assessment. You have the risk that they could not appreciate with the rest of the market or even depreciate against the rest of the market during economic downturns. But the ease of management just creates a situation for me personally that is hard to beat. I don't have to ever worry about replacing a roof. I don't have to worry about, you know, repaving a driveway. And the risks are outweighed for me by the ease of management.
1: Okay. Okay. When you talk about the risks, and you mentioned the risk of special assessment, is that what you said? Yep. What is that?
0: So if you have a condo association and they need to repave the, you know, the parking lot for everyone and they do not have enough money in reserve funds, they will figure out how much it costs to repave it and divvy that up amongst all the condo owners. So at any time, you may get a random $5,000 bill from your condo association. Got it. Got it. And then why is there a risk
1: in appreciation or depreciating whenever times are good or not good?
0: Yeah, I mean, just as a general rule, your condos are not going to appreciate at the same rates that single families do. Single families are always going to be um, more desirable to to a larger amount of people than a condo is. Um, And and if things slow down, um, it's just a lot easier for a condo. That has less buyers interested in it than a single family. It's easier for the price of a condo to drop than for a single family condo, uh, single family property to drop. So when you started, you got your real estate license in two thousand three, right? Correct. And when did you buy
1: your first place? I bought my first place in twenty ten. Okay, so seven years later.
0: Yep. All right, seven years later, you bought your first place. Which what was it? That was a single family home that was actually in uh, Rockville, Maryland, where I also lived. And, you know, with the market, prices were just in free fall back then, um, but rents were not in free fall. So it was creating a situation where just a few years earlier, you could not find a cash flow property. Um, and suddenly, everything seemed to be cash flowing. So you got a single family home. What were the numbers? I think I paid 265 for it at the time. And initially, it rented for 2000 So after PITI, I was clearing about 500 a month which was not a, you know, for a major metro area, finding those kind of numbers, you know, free cash flow of 500 a month before any other sort of expenses, you know, was, was nearly unheard of prior to that. And how did you acquire it? What type of loan did you get? I just used regular conventional financing. How much did you put down? 20%. And then what was your next purchase? Then my next purchase after that was a townhouse, which was, in Burnsville, Maryland, it's just maybe 15, 20 minutes east of uh, Rockville. Those numbers weren't as great, but that was a HomePath property. And at the time, HomePath was allowing investors to put only 10% down on an investment property, while most loans would require you to put 20 to 25% down. So, I was able to get into it for a fairly cheap amount. And what were the numbers? I purchased that one for one ninety, and it was rent... And I rent it. It's actually been the same the whole time. I've rent that for 1750
1: Okay. Yeah, I took advantage of HomePath as well on my second yeah, second house where I, I bought a place about half as much as yours. I bought it for, I think, 90000 86000 and um, only put 10% down. So all in, including co- closing costs, it was like $10,000. Yeah, I think they've done
0: away with that program.
1: Yeah, it no longer exists. Yeah, unfortunately, it no longer exists. But many other different types of loan programs that, that you can get with those those down payments that are not the traditional down payment. Um,
0: so you got your, your townhouse, and then what's your next property? So my next property was a multifamily, a three-family in Massachusetts. It's right outside of Boston, and I'm originally from Boston, so I was very familiar with the market there. And we paid about three twenty for that, and the rents at the time were about three thousand. And what we did is we put in a, a basement apartment to change it from a two-family to a three-family, and we we're able to push the total rents up on that to thirty-eight hundred. Okay. And uh, what type of approvals were required for you to do that? That was just a standard conventional loan application process. Yeah, I'm talking about to to change it from a two to a three. Oh, so we had to just apply for rezone, to have it rezoned. They had to see if there was enough street parking that would have that, you know, that would qualify for it. And uh, just adding in an extra electric meter was not too hard at all. But it was not hard because there was the sh- there was enough street parking to support a three-family there. If there was not enough parking, they would have just denied the application. And did you know that going in whenever you purchase
1: it, that you're going to change it from a,
0: a two to a three-family? That was the plan going in, although in applying after acquiring it and then going through that process, I did not realize that it would possibly be denied. But the numbers worked with it with two units. They just work a lot better with it at three units.
1: Okay. So then from your three family, what was the next
0: one? That's when I started moving into condos. My next purchase was a condo in Frederick, Maryland, which is a little town about an hour north of D.C. And I bought that for one eleven and that was renting out for twelve and I rented that for twelve fifty. And that's when I started falling in love with condo investing because I realized that this condo was taking up the least amount of my time. You're self managing the other properties, I take it? I self manage everything, even the one in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is a little hard to self manage because I'm so far away, but I do have feet on the ground where I can pay someone a few bucks to go check out a problem before I get a, you know, contractor in there to fix something. Do you use any online service to help you do the management? You know, I've tried out Buildium. They're a property management software and they're okay. They, they suit my needs, but you know, most of your management is taking place on the phone. You know, you know, the property management software is just a way to collect your data. It doesn't really help you manage as far as I'm concerned, but it serves its purpose. And with the, so at this point,
1: you've got three family, a townhouse and a single family and a condo. Was that your last purchase or have you purchased others since that condo?
0: No, I've purchased a couple more condos since then. And I closed on another single family property just a few weeks ago that I'm rehabbing right now. And that one doesn't really meet my typical investment criteria where I'm trying to hit the 1% rule. But I felt that this property was well-priced and in an undervalued neighborhood. So it is kind of a risk. I won't cash flow great on it, but I I really do see a good chance of appreciation in this neighborhood in the long term. You mentioned the 1% rule. Can you explain that for anyone who's not familiar? Sure. The 1% rule is that a property's rent needs to be 1% of the value of the price. So if you buy a property for $100,000, you want to try to get 1% out of it. If the property is significantly cheaper, you want to get you know closer to the 2% rule um, because your repair expenses are going to be higher. But for my area, the 1% rooms, as a general rule, seems to work very well. What's your end game? You're
1: looking at, I mean, you're buying these, the properties. Are you looking for a particular cash flow? Are you going to continue with the condos? Or are you moving to multifamily, like larger multifamily um commercial style
0: or like what do you what do you where do you see yourself in the future So my end game is producing $100,000 in passive income and I'm my plan to do that is twofold. I plan to continue to acquire condos, but I also am looking to probably in the next year or two trade out my multifamily and upgrade that to an apartment building.
1: Your 3 unit multifamily and upgrade to an apartment building? Yep. Got it. How's the financing work as you buy more and more condos? Is it getting more challenging to get the traditional
0: financing? Well, I'm still under Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's uh, mortgage threshold. So I've not run into that, but I will be hitting that pretty soon. Um, I have seven mortgages right now, um, and that's over nine units. So, you know, Fannie Mae allows 10 mortgages and Freddie Mac allows six. So that's one of the reasons that I'm looking to trade out my multifamily and move on to an apartment building is, you know, it should just be a little bit easier to acquire commercial lending than typical Fannie Mae residential lending in the future for me.
1: Russell, what's your best real estate investing advice? ever?
0: My best advice is stop looking to hit home runs. A bunch of singles is going to win the game as much as a home run. And when you look at your investing career, I
1: mean, clearly you, you've got these a lot of single families, and then you've got the three unit. Then you're also, you know, as you mentioned, you're you're going to be trading out your three unit to buy an apartment building. So, at what point do you think it's time to go from you know the singles to you know maybe upgrading from uh, the single to a triple or a home run?
0: I think the time is after you are experienced being a landlord and a property owner, you know, there is nothing like, you know, instead of looking at numbers on a paper, there's nothing like knowing how do I treat a tenant who's not paying? How do I handle an HVAC going out all of a sudden? After you have that experience, and, you know, it doesn't take very long, just a couple of years, but the experience of taking those calls at midnight, the experience of, you know, how to deal with all these little things and having systems in place they handle them, then, you know, you can upgrade to, you know, something that's a little bit harder to manage.
1: For anyone who's self-managing, what would be one tip you'd give them for a system that you have in place that's helped you be more effective?
0: That is just knowing lots of uh, contractors, all the different ones. Like, you know, if I know three electricians, I got to know who can get out to my property within hours of me calling them. And that's just a matter of having relationships in place across multiple trades and having multiple tradesmen of each trade that you have relationships with. And how do you establish those relationships with those tradesmen? You know, a lot of trades guys show up to the local RIAs to solicit business. That's one way. And a lot of it's trying out different tradespeople on projects and seeing who you like and who you don't. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partner
1: crowdfunding you've heard about it now it's time for you to learn about it our best ever sponsor today patch of land they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions that's p-a-t-c-h-o-f-l-a-n-d.com forward slash best ever russell what's the best ever book you've one Up on Wall
0: Street by Peter Lynch.
1: Why is that the best ever?
0: Mostly it's to deal with stock market investing, but it carries over very much in real estate investing. It's about investing in what you know and finding undervalued assets.
1: Best ever personal
0: growth experience and what you learned from it? That's probably getting married and just uh, being a husband. When you learn to put someone else's needs first and look at things from their point of view, it helps you be a better investor. That way you can look at the people on the other side of the deal and if you can figure out what they want and hear what they're saying, it's gonna make your transaction easier and hopefully all parties walk away happy.
1: Best ever deal you've done?
0: That's probably just my first deal that I was able to buy at the bottom of the market. I bought it at market price at the time but it's just recognizing a once in a life opportunity to buy. That's a 265K purchase
1: price property? And what do you think it's worth now? About four and a quarter. What's it rent for? It rents now for twenty three hundred. And when you bought it, you bought it for two sixty five,
0: and it rented for two thousand. Correct? Correct. And so with some refinances in there, my mortgage payment's down to twelve hundred. It's renting for twenty three hundred. You know, I get a little bit of repairs, but after repairs, I probably cash flow eight or nine hundred a month on it. Are you looking to get equity out of that property and invest in something else? I've definitely considered it because the equity buildup in it is. Uh, significant with the way our markets bounce back here and I have thought about either doing a cash out refinance or just doing a 1031 out of it to take advantage of you know the significant equity in it and what was the result of that conversation in your head on if you're gonna do it or not <laughs> well for me it's all about locating the right deal where to put that equity first I don't want to sell it and then be forced into buying something bad so I would like like to locate something first and then get that under contract with the sort of contingent offer on selling the other property. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? That's probably my current uh, exploration of looking to purchase an apartment building for the first time. Best ever way you like to give back? My best way to give back is I attend the local Bigger Pockets meetup. We get a lot of smart people that are involved in it and it's just great to meet some of the younger first-time investors there and to give them your knowledge and you know steer them away from, you know, some of the mistakes that you make. And speaking of those mistakes, what's the biggest mistake in real estate you've made? It's underestimating the repair costs and foreclosures. I feel like every foreclosure I purchase needs a new HVAC system, and I try to ignore that fact. swing in, and (laughs) within six months, I'm replacing an HVAC. And what's the best ever place to reach you? At my email, russell.brazil at lnf.com, or on BiggerPockets, which I'm very active on. And what'd you say that website is again, that yours is? RussellBrazil.LNF.com. L and F? A and D F? L-N, N -N as in Nancy, F.com. All right, Russell. Well, thank
1: you for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about, literally, we walked through most of the deals that you've done. I know we we didn't get to the last couple of condos that you most recently purchased, but from 2010 when you bought the property for 265, and it's worth over 400000 and rents for $2,000 then and now 2300 now to the townhouse that you bought through HomePath at 10% down. I'm familiar with that program as well. I did that 10% down around that same time frame too. Multifamily, where you've got the three-family in Massachusetts. Use a little bit of vision to extend it from a two to a three-family and the two things that you looked out for in that rezoning process one is there enough street parking and Then two just adding an electric meter otherwise it was uh, according to you it was pretty pretty, pretty easy straight. process yeah pretty straightforward and then you started moving the condos got the next one for 111k rented rented out for 1250 and that's taking up the least amount of your time across the board for all the other ones previously so then you wanted to move more towards condos. Uh, we talked about the pros and cons from a high level of condos, the cons, the risk of special assessment where the, the roads or the, the parking lot needs to be replaced. You might get a $5,000 bill just in the mail because they decided to divvy that up and that's your, that's your portion of the bill. Also the risk of appreciation and, depreci- and it depreciating at slower or faster rates than single-family homes, simply because there's not as much of a demand for condos as there are single-family homes. But the pros, this is, uh, in your case, the driving force behind why you're focused on condos is the ease of management. You don't have to replace roofs. You don't have to do the repaving of the driveways. So thanks so much for being on the show, sharing your advice, and we'll talk to you soon. Great.
0: Thanks, Joe.